Hey everyone, today we will be continuing our look into the concept of Marian mysticism. And this is really just Lexio Divina with the Marian mysteries. However, I think that it's important to remember Mary is more than just a mediatrix. She is also a model mystic and contemplative. So in this series, we are looking at what we can take from her mysteries and her story. So today we will be looking at the seven sorrows of Mary, kind of an Alexio Divina type style. I hope you enjoy, and thank you for listening. Peace be with you and with your spirit. Welcome to another episode of St. Anthony's Tongue. I am your host, W. Last week we spoke about the Blessed Virgin Mary. Our point in last week's episode was to shed light on Mary, not just as the Mother of God, not just as someone who was special and important in our spirituality because she gave birth to Christ, but how Mary is the model mystic and the model contemplative. And the last time we explored this through the joyful mysteries. And I hope you had a few takeaways from that. But I hope one of the key takeaways, my friends, was that the joyful mysteries never began in joy. Mary, when she was visited by the angel Gabriel, and although the message was beautiful and sweet, she was scared. She had to face the fear, the responsibility, and the judgment of others in carrying the child of God within her. The majestic and beautiful birth of Christ, the incarnation, the reason why all of these angels and all of the cosmos sang out and praised this glorious, beautiful moment was not joyful in of itself. Before that, what happened before that, Mary and Joseph had to go and find somewhere to give birth, and all they could find was a dirty stable. But it ended in joy. It ended in joy, and Mary's life in of itself was full of sorrow and suffering. She is Our Lady of Sorrows. And all of her suffering, she persevered through it until she saw the joy of her ascension into heaven, her assumption into heaven, in which now she can hear our prayers. And this, my friends, in the last episode is what I was trying to get across that this system that Mary followed is the system of a contemplative. To first say yes to God's call and then to go forth. Even in the confusion, Mary herself said many times, I do not understand. But she stayed firm to her promise. And eventually, she went to heaven and sits close to the Father and Son, 
to hear our prayers. And you and I, we also must push through this darkness, the sorrows, staying true and staying faithful so that we will enter the kingdom as saints and help assist our brethren here on earth. So last week we covered the joyful mysteries. And this week we will discuss the sorrows of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So rather than sticking with the rosary mysteries, we are going to do the seven sorrows of Mary from her title as Our Lady of Sorrows, found in the Our Lady of Sorrows chaplet. I'm choosing this rather than the sorrowful mysteries because these seven sorrows are a bit more Marian specific. However, I will say that meditating upon the sorrowful mysteries of the rosary is such a powerful thing. There's so much beauty and so much contemplation one can have. And if you've been listening to this entire series, listening to things like Lexio Divina, that episode, listening to my episode on mystical prayer, you'll see that these mysteries are the heart of the contemplative practice. So very quickly, the one that always comes to mind is Christ in the garden. He sits in the garden and he is so stressed knowing what he is about to go through. And he is so stressed that he sweats blood. And there's so much beautiful symbolism there. And St. Teresa of Avila, that was her favorite image to contemplate. There's so much beauty in there, but for instance, one of them is the fact that Christ knew that everything was going to be okay. Christ was God. Christ knew that he could endure this and he knew that he would resurrect. However, he was still so anxious and scared, so anxious and scared that he sweat blood, so anxious and scared that he asked God if it be his will to not let him go through with it. And how often do we feel that way? How often do you and I, even though we know everything will be okay, we are so anxious and scared that we feel as if we cannot go through with it, even though logically we know everything will be fine. There's so much beauty in the mysteries of the rosary, the sorrowful mysteries of the rosary. So I just wanted to add in at least one mystery. But since we are talking about Marian mysticism, I'd like to stick to her sorrowful mysteries, the seven sorrows. And like last time, I am approaching this through a Lexio Divina lens. And if you're not familiar with Lexio Divina, please check out my previous episode on Lexio. But what I mean by that is I am approaching this in a way of contemplation and a way of my own interpretations, my own diving into these moments. So what I'm saying is not necessarily the only way to interpret these mysteries. There are many other ways. There are many other valid representations of them. But these are mine in this moment. So I hope you enjoy. But before we begin, please join me in praying. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Sorrow is one of those things 
that is hard to understand and sorrow is something, a phrase, a word that we use almost too loosely. But as I've said before, the sorrow of Mary, the pious suffering led to the protection of the Son of God, led to the gates of hell being stripped away in his death, and led to a new beginning with his resurrection and ascension. And we too, as apostles, are called to suffer similarly, to suffer in a way that leads to goodness. The first sorrow of Mary is the prophecy of Simeon. In this sorrow, Mary learns from Simeon that her heart will be pierced with a sword. So here we almost have a similarity to her call and her promise from the Archangel Gabriel. In that moment, Gabriel told her good news. However, in this one, the prophet Simeon gave her bad news. She told her that your life, Mary, will be filled with sorrow. And this teaches us that suffering is a part of life. And suffering accompanies love and devotion. And much like the call from the Archangel Gabriel, this promise was also something she must stay true to, to push forward through the pain and suffering and trust in God even or especially in those times in which she did not understand. And I think you and I can take a lot from this simple mystery because we also know that suffering is part of life. And sometimes, oftentimes, we are sent down to a state of despair and we question God. We wonder why life is the way it is in the face of a God who is allegedly loving and kind and merciful. And I am not really good, and I am not the person to try and approach the problem of evil. But I can approach the issue of suffering and say that oftentimes, not every time, but oftentimes, suffering is a way to bring us closer to God and Christ. Because if this suffering is initiated by the Lord, then we will go to hell and like Christ did, we will now see that God even reigns there too. But we must keep pushing forward. Mary in this moment was told that her heart would be broken and she kept on even though she did not understand. And you and I must keep on even though we do not understand because eventually we will draw closer and closer to God. So for this sorrow, this mystery, we pray that we too will be able to take this bad news that we have, to take the suffering we are given and approach it with love. Our faith and our love will be the weapon against the fear of the sorrow we will face.
and stay true in that hope of the resurrection. And together we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. The next sorrow of Mary is the flight into Egypt. We discuss this in our last joyful mystery episode. But here Mary and Joseph flee with the infant Christ to escape King Herod's massacre. And here I'd like to reiterate what we said last time, which was this ties into the birth, ties into the incarnation, the joy ended up in sorrow, but then eventually they started their life anew, which was joyful again. Here, Mary and Joseph had to flee to escape King Herod. And they're doing this to follow God's will. And this sorrow highlights the challenges and trials that we may face when following God's will. The fear, the terror, the exhaustion, we must trust and rely on God. This is one of the hells. Christ descended into hell and defeated it. And now when we go into our own hells, we can see that Christ is there. And in this hell, Christ was literally there. And when you and I have to flee into Egypt, we must be like Mary and do it and it's okay to be scared. Remember Christ in the garden, God himself felt a type of fear. It is okay to be scared. But when we face these flights into the desert, my friends, when we face this moment of having to flee, we can be scared, but we also should feel trust. We should feel trust that this moment is within the divine providence of God. As we pray, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. The next sorrow is the loss of the child Jesus in the temple. Here, as we discussed last time, the joyful mystery was finding the child Christ, but here is the loss. This was the first time likely that Mary was ever without Jesus. And you and I, we also lose this sense of Christ in our life from time to time. We lose this sense of love. And when I say lose Christ, I'm not saying we have abandoned a label. That's so, that's so surface level. When I say that we have felt as if Christ has abandoned us or we have abandoned Christ, I'm saying that we no longer feel this unconditional love of the Father in which Christ was the icon of. But what did they do? Mary and Joseph went to find Christ. This can be tied back to our episodes on St. John of the Cross with the hidden God. Where have you gone, my beloved? You have wounded me and left me yearning. Here, Christ is no longer around. 
God, the feeling of love, the feeling of unconditional goodness is no longer in their midst. So where have you hidden, my beloved Christ? Where have you hidden? I used to hold you in my arms. I used to nurse you and protect you. And now where have you hidden, my beloved? You have wounded me in love, and now I yearn for you. This is the same thing that the great St. John of the Cross spoke of in the spiritual canticle. Where have you gone? Where have you hidden? And how often have you and I felt, where have you gone, my Lord, in my life? And here, Joseph and Mary, they go and seek the hidden Christ. They go and seek God. And this cannot be done without a personal, true relationship with him. And where did it end up? It ended up with them finding him in the temple. Of course, there's obvious symbolism when he says, did you not even think to look in my father's house? But sometimes God will hide his face from us, not turn his face away, but hide his face from us. So we go and look for him in new places. We go and look for him, yes, in the temples, but maybe we look for him in the eyes and the face of someone who needs our love and help. Maybe we find him in service. Maybe we find him in a new hobby. Maybe we find him in a new devotion. But sometimes he hides so we can find him. Or sometimes he hides so that we change. We change our ways so we can grow closer to him after all. And here, Christ hid himself from Mary and Joseph, forcing them to feel love, forcing them to feel an even deeper yearning for him. And sometimes when God turns his face into a hidden face, we yearn. And God wants us to yearn. God wants us to be restless sometimes because we are restless. Oh my God, until we rest in you. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Mary meets Christ on the way to the cross, on the way to Calvary. Oh, Mary witnesses something that a mother should never. Discouraging for bloody son. Her bloody son carrying the cross. Watching him fall. Her whole world. Her whole life. Beaten and spit upon. Is she not moved? Is her heart not broken? And this reflects the importance of compassion, understanding, and solidarity with those who are suffering. It encourages us to be Christ's presence in the world. Here, here is a unique mystery, though. Because it's easy to think of a mother feeling this for her son. And here is where an issue we have today where we put these boundaries up and we use these labels and phrases. However, remember, please remember, 
the great saints who are holding Christ in their arms. Saint Anthony of Padua, Saint Joseph, the father of Christ. Saint Teresa of Avila at times is depicted that way. These great saints are holding the infant child in their arms. Why? Why? Because yes, Christ is a king. Yes, Christ is the son of man. Yes, Christ is this big, powerful being. He is God incarnate, though Christ was also a little infant. A little infant in we must hold and caress. A little infant in which we must also, in a way, love like a mother. We must love him like a father, yes. Love him like a friend, yes. But love him like a mother as well. So it's hard for us today to see Christ dying and suffering as a mother would, but we must. And why must we do that? And this goes back to the canticle of Zechariah, which the prophet says, they will gaze upon the one they have pierced and their hearts will be opened. That's the Old Testament. And now Mary is watching the one who they pierced. But I'd like you to also envision everyone on that road to Calvary. Yes, there were the ones who spit upon him, and God said, forgive them. Christ said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But think about the others. Mary, Simon, who helped him carry the cross, these people were watching. Saint Veronica, who wiped his face, these people were watching, and they did what? They were moved. Their hearts were open as they gazed upon those who they pierced, and when their hearts were open, what did they do? They acted. They acted in service. And that is what you and I are called to do. We are called to look at those who are suffering like Christ, to see Christ in the suffering, to see Christ in those who are in pain and do what we are called to move and live and act in a way that has the heart of Christ and that is the heart of compassion and love. So Mary watches her son and she is moved and this, my friends, is our calling, our yearning. Please. Are your ears closed? Are your eyes shut? Is your heart open? Let it remain open. Let it remain open. Because like Mary, you will see those who need you. They need you to help them carry that cross. And sometimes you are the one with the cross, looking out and asking for help too. So be like Mary. Veronica and all those on the side of the road in Calvary whose hearts were broken and opened with love. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen.
the next sorrow, the next mystery. It's the crucifixion and death of Christ. Here, Mary stands at the foot of the cross as her son is crucified. Here, alongside her, were Saint John the Beloved and Saint Mary Magdalene, in which Jesus pointed to John and said, Mother, behold your son, and pointing to the Blessed Virgin and saying, Son, behold your mother. And here she began her walk with the apostles, or continued her walk with the apostles, being the mother of them, but eventually being mother of the whole world. As we've discussed before, Mary would later be assumed into heaven and being that mediatrix, hearing our prayers on earth alongside her son, as we all will as saints. But here in this moment, she watched her son die. She watched him pass away right in front of her eyes. But she was given that promise by Christ, by God. This is your son. Son, this is your mother. Elevating her to a new path. And sometimes when that chapter closes, when that death hits us, we are now facing a new one. And that's a subtle moment in scripture. A subtle but profound one. Because now man soon takes on this new role with Mary as all of our mother. And that role is to be a living icon of his love. Because soon Christ will die, go into hell and defeat it, to show us that he can reign in our own hell too. So now when we are in our darkness, he is there. When we are in our despair, he is there because he, Christ, allowed God to turn his face away on our behalf. And in that darkness that is God the Father turning his face away, Christ went and filled that void with his love and light. So now whenever there is darkness, we can know Christ is there. And that call that we are now the sons of the Son for us to be a living icon of his love for Christ in his love and giving up his life for us. That unconditional love was an icon of the Father. He loved like the Father, and now us, as sons and daughters of the Son, we too are to love like Christ and to be a living icon of his love. To go with others in their hell, to go with others in their darkness, and show them that Christ reigns there too. And how? But by being Christ's love in those moments. By being transformed by the suffering. Being transformed by the pain. And having our hearts opened. Mysticism, contemplation, is about a transformation. A transformation of being in love. That increases our love of God and love for our neighbor. And here... Mary watches her son die. But St. John and Mary have a new mission now. 
to be sons of the sun and for Mary, the mother of all humankind. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. The next sorrow, Mary receives the body of her son. This image is so profound, it's so famous, the Pieta, holding her son's lifeless body in her arms. When she saw him on the cross, all she wanted to do was hold him. Now we are going back. Now we are going back. Mary, did you remember that time in which you lost Christ in the temple? Did you remember that feeling that you felt when you yearned for him? And as you watch him die on the cross, are you feeling that feeling even more? Just like you wanted to hold him as a child in the temple, do you, do you just want to hold his lifeless body right now? Do you still yearn for him? And are you confused, blessed virgin? There have been times in which you did not understand, but you loved and persevered anyway. You just watched him be brutally murdered. Do you still have faith? Now Mary receives the body now and holds Christ in her arms. I do not know what she felt, but I do know what it feels to yearn for Christ, to yearn to feel his embrace. St. John, the beloved, was there as well. So was St. Mary Magdalene. John, who laid his head upon the breast of Christ, did he wish to do the same now? Mary Magdalene, who washed the feet of Christ, did she feel the yearning to do the same now? To wash the blood off of the wounds? And just as they yearn to hold Christ and to receive that body, you and I can receive that body as often as we want in the sacrament of the Eucharist. So we yearn to hold him. We yearn to wash his feet. We yearn to lay our head upon him. We yearn for his body. And that gift has been given to us in the Holy Mass. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. The final sorrow, the final mystery, is the burial of Christ, in which the stone is rolled in front of the tomb as Mary and the apostles watch. This sorrow is the most hopeful, yet dissatisfying. We are so used to a resolution to a story. And here, in the great, grand 
view of scripture, we have the resurrection and we have the ascension. The story is complete in a way, though you and I in the mystical body, we are continuing to complete the story every day. However, in the mysteries, in the seven sorrowful mysteries, as well as in the stations of the cross sometimes, we end with the burial. We end not with the resurrection, but with waiting. With waiting. Yearning, longing. There it is again. There it is again, St. John of the Cross. You have wounded me and left me yearning. There it is again, St. Augustine. Our hearts are restless until they rest in you. There it is again, the burial of Christ. Longing for him. Yearning for him. Mary waiting. We all wait. So, hear what this teaches us on the mystical path, the contemplative path. It's the importance of stillness. The importance of waiting. The importance of staying true and faithful and believing. Because there are often times in our life in which we feel as if the doors have closed. We feel as if the casket is closing over us. The stone is rolled in front of our tomb and we will not see the light of day again. But what have we learned? That there will be a resurrection. We have learned that in the darkness, the darkness we feel as if the stone has coined in front of the tomb, that darkness, that hell, Christ went into that hell and filled that void. He reigns there too. And you and I will resurrect. Eventually, there will be a resurrection. Eventually, that Christ, that love, will re-enter our life. We can hold him and be with him. And yes, we can do that every Sunday or every day in the Eucharist. But in regards to a dark night, eventually the stone will be rolled back and you and I will resurrect. We will feel Christ again. Not lifeless, but alive. With scars and open wounds, but alive giving us the gift of the Holy Spirit of fire. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. So that concludes the seven sorrows, which are almost an inverse of the joyful mysteries. Gabriel giving good news. The prophet Simeon giving bad news. Both have the f- fleeing of the desert, though the joyful is the finding of Christ. The seven sorrows are wandering, looking for him. And throughout the seven sorrows, there's the yearning. The yearning for happiness when... She is told that Simeon says her heart will be pierced. The yearning for Christ when he is lost. The yearning for someone to help 
when he is on the way to Calvary, the yearning to hold him when he is on the cross and then finally holding him and yearning for more and yearning for life, then burial, yearning for the resurrection. But there is a truth, a persistence, and an optimism. And even though the darkness may feel very dark, that Christ is there in the darkness and he will resurrect alongside of us. Pray with me, friends. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, O blessed Virgin, O sweet, loving Virgo Maria, be with us. Walk alongside us. So often we are numb to the passion of your Son, and we are numb to the love in which you feel for all of your children. Show us and remind us that this path is not just some checklist to get into heaven, but this path is an inching closer, an inching closer every day to your Son in our hearts. We must be converted every day. We must change little by little every day, so be with us and guide us. And show us the love of a mother, and through that love bring us closer to your Son. Ave Maria, gratia plena, Dominus tecum. Benedicta tu in malaribus, et benedictus fructus ventri tui, Jesu. Sancta Maria, Mater Dei, ora pra nobis peccataribus, nunc et in hora mortis nostre. Amen. Our Lady of Sorrows, Star of the Sea, Refuge of Sinners, Mother, pray for us. Until next time. God bless you, and may God bless us all. <laughs>